What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively Podcast. Mike Mahler, that's the dude on the other line. Sincere Hogan, that's the voice you hear now. And all that other good stuff. What's going on, folks? What's going on, my man? Oh, I'm doing good, man. How was your weekend? Hey, man, weekend was awesome. Wife had a big birthday blowout. We had our first official oh, cool. big house party, you know, in our oh, home nice. now. You know, we've been here like three years, but finally kind of got, got everything together where we can start inviting more than a couple of people over at a time now. And at first, it was a little daunting to hear about that. I'm like, how many people are coming over? Oh, about 23. So, you know, I was panicking. You know me. I'm Mr. Isolation. Man, that's a workshop right there. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I'm Mr. Isolation. I almost, hey, I thought about charging at the door. So, having a rent, having an old school good times rent party. <laughs> so, but it, it, you, should, you should have done a network marketing pitch right in the middle of it. Hey, it turned the music off and got on the top of the table. Exactly. Like, hey, everybody, let me talk to you guys about a great opportunity and then watch everybody leave. See, that's how you get rid of guests really quickly. So, take it from us. You want to clear your house out? start talking about network marketing okay <laughs> but yeah but other than that man had a good time man so you know spend these last couple of weeks before she heads off to costa rica without me this time uh-huh. around so she'll be gone for a couple of months and you know but yeah it was it was fun man what about yourself i had a good weekend man saw sound garden and nine inch nails it was a oh cool yeah show. they're coming to houston next cool month show. i can't wait man yeah, it was it was good, man. I think uh, yeah, we'll t- we'll talk more about it after the show. I don't yeah. want to eat up too much of our guest time. Perfect. But, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> also enjoyed the the cigars you sent over. Appreciate that, no, man. No good problem. Stuff. No problem, man. And I see you put that. I see you put that chili door to work too, man. Oh yeah, man. That thing's awesome. <laughs> the, the, the condom coffee machine is yeah, great. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I like I like how it's portable too, and yeah. then I like the fact that it's fast, so you could actually load it up with a tablespoon or two of some good coffee. Get some hot water, pour it over slowly, and there you go, man. You have a nice cup of coffee, and it, it feels. It feel. I don't know if if, if a coffee machine. I don't know if it's because there's plastic components or, or what it is or the filter, but it seems like there's some something more pure yeah, about making well, coffee like this. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can talk about that definitely toward the end of the show. But, yeah, it is, a, it is a big difference. It is a big difference. But, um, yeah, let's get to our guest, though. So I know he's probably like, okay, you guys are making me want coffee because he's a big coffee fan. you know, And he's been to Costa Rica, and I told him where to go in Costa Rica when he went there and taught a workshop recently. So he, he knows now the secret. Yeah, <laughs> we we have our, our good friend Marcus Martinez on the show today of mbodystrength.com. And I think the M stands for how to get a body like Mahler. So this guy's <laughs> his whole business <laughs> around me. It's, it's, it's kind of a fan page for Mahler's aggressive strength, if you will. This guy's a great trainer, good dude. He has a, a ton of great information all over YouTube for mm-hmm. free. Some of the best kettlebell training and fitness instruction videos that are free on YouTube. So definitely check them out on there. And what we wanted to talk to him today about is effective fitness marketing. And then we'll get into training and other fun stuff like that. But he does it extremely well. And it's a fine. It's just many make the mistake of not doing enough or being completely over the top where it's distasteful. So let's let's get into our guest. Marcus, how you doing today? I'm awesome. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Perfect, man. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Good. It's always good talking to you, and let, let's get into this whole fitness marketing thing. You do it really well, so where where did you develop this skill set, and what, what would you say is your core philosophy on effective fitness business marketing? Uh, when I started this thing, it was really just to raise awareness. So you know, nobody was doing this stuff. No one was. Very few people were doing kettlebells. Very few people were doing this type of training, except for you know Mike and a couple other guys. And uh, really, no one was putting it out online. So there was nobody on YouTube, really. There was nothing else. So our thing was just, let's show what we're doing, show that you could do it anywhere, show you could do it at home, in the park. It was really just to emphasize unconventional training and minimalist training, which was really, like I said, not that much out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started off with YouTube. And really, my old partner was awesome in that. We shot videos, we edited videos, and we just put a ton out there at first. And then it started getting some feedback. We started getting some followers from it. And then it just kept building and building and building. I'm like, oh, shit, this is this is the way to go because this is giving people enough information that they can use it and that they stay hooked on there, but not so much that you can't sell them on anything else. So it was such a perfect area, perfect uh, venue to be able to show what we were doing, but not be over the top salesy, not doing all the other stuff that the people were doing and really show stuff that was useful. And that was the biggest thing. I never wanted to be that guy that was, you know, showing stuff and being like, oh, but now you have to buy it. It was like, no, I want to show you mm-hmm. stuff you now right. and you'll trust me. And I've gotten more people. Right. And that was something I definitely learned from you, Mike, because it was not about 
push, push, push products. It was about push information, have the products and gain trust. And it was all about trust. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the one thing that was so crucial to me was putting stuff out there that actually meant something and showing my, you know, honest intentions, which really was, I really want to help people, you know, as cheesy as that is with all the fitness and all oh, the <laughs> world and all that bullshit. It's like, it's true. I mean, that's why we do this stuff. Right. Not to say there's right. no ego involved and there's no vanity involved, but you know, that was always the thing is I love building relationships and even a relationship. I remember the first time someone emailed me from Thailand, I'm like, what the fuck? This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got, it is cool. He, yeah. He saw one of yeah. my workouts and he's been doing it and he saw results <laughs> even in the country. Like that really got me hooked on this. No, it's really cool. I mean, when you, especially when you travel to other <laughs> countries and then you walk in the room and people are starstruck or they <laughs> just, they just convey what an effect your work has had on them. That's pretty cool, man. It, it really lets you know that. This thing can be a lot bigger than you. You can put out good information, and it, it can help people literally all over the world, and that's a good feeling. Yeah, and it also makes you feel like you're not just wasting your time and just screaming right. screaming in an empty room. You just turn that video <laughs> camera, and the only person yeah. watching your videos is your mom and your sister. You know, and they're the only two YouTube subscribers that you have. So it, it definitely helps with that too, because that gives you the energy to keep going and do more. Yeah, and it makes. It makes a big difference. It definitely makes a big difference. Okay, so Marcus, a lot, a lot of people are curious what happened with this whole MyMed Methods divide. What, what provoked you guys to go your own way? So yeah. what happened there? What's, the best way I can say is we were like, <laughs> not, not being all ego-driven here, but we were like, like a band that was just on the verge of something big. But we just got to the point where, I mean, we were literally like, we've been friends forever. I'd known him for a long time. And we were just in such close quarters all the time. Something was bound to snap. And, you know, beyond the personal life stuff that was happening between both of us and then just uh, all the differences of opinions and then bringing other people on board. And it was just it got to the point where there was just a breaking point where we just couldn't we couldn't handle it anymore. And, uh, you know, Mark was awesome at keeping things you know, in line and making sure we got stuff done. And I just kept putting content, kept putting content. But like I said, it was just got to the point where it was just. We couldn't do it anymore, you know. So there wasn't really one specific thing. There was just, it was just you could see the the constant degrade over the the past months before it actually happened. Right. Where right. when it finally happened, it was like, yeah, this needs to happen. Yeah. And you know, it started off, and we we tried to do some stuff together, and it just didn't work out at first. But you know, we've contacted each other since, we've talked since, and you know, we've been on good terms. So I'm not a I'm not a fan of holding grudges or having anybody having bad feelings towards people just because in, you know, in the scheme of life, like this shit doesn't matter. At the end of the day, right, it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. You know, this is, this is all just part of the game. And so, you know, so that's why I just tell people it was just a difference of opinion that manifested over months and months and really just years of being in such close proximity with someone. I mean, you're bound to just snap on anybody you're in the same room with for hours and hours on end. So. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah definitely, man. There's there's a lot of falling outs in our line of work and probably probably every business you can imagine. It's 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 not easy to work with other people all the time. Especially when you're an entrepreneurial minded person and you have very strong views on how things should be done. Exactly. There's naturally gonna be clashes. And it's it's unfortunate though when you've been friends with someone, let's say before you got into the business, and then there's a falling out as a result of whatever played out in the business that's always unfortunate but i've seen it happen a lot of times man so it's it's not unusual at all no it's definitely not i'd say you know people have asked in the past should i get a partner should i do things and i was like <laughs> right my biggest, <laughs> my biggest my biggest piece of advice that i didn't think about until later which was when you're dealing with someone you know obviously this was a friend or even if it's not a friend you have to think in terms of a relationship you have to think in terms this is your yeah. wife this right. is this is your this is your significant other. You have to see how they communicate. You have to see how they take things. Because what was funny is, you know, flash forward a few uh, few months, I was looking at some different programs just with my wife, and we were looking at like love languages and all that shit. And yeah. I was looking at like the, the gifts, <laughs> abundance, all that. And I was like, holy shit! I was totally talking to him the wrong way. He didn't care about anything I was saying. <laughs> and it was like it made me laugh because I'm like, oh man, I should have been. And it made me show what I should have done differently with that particular person and just in general how to communicate with someone better. So that was, uh, I guess, it was kind of funny, uh, funny revelation. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's very, it was a good point that you made right there. The fact that you're looking at this 
And again, you're not holding on to this grudge that you can't see that there's there was an opportunity for growth as far as you were concerned, you know, as as a business owner and as an entrepreneur. When you're just sitting there looking at love languages or whatever, and you're having this aha moment like, you know what? I'm thinking this would have worked a lot better if I had done this. So now going forward, if should you ever choose to do that again, you know, now you've got this. You've got this experience. So that's that's the difference right there. When someone says that, you know, you know, failure is not an option, but then they also say that, you know, um, the, the best way to be the best entrepreneur is to fail, 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 and fail fast. I'm like, no. I said, really? My thing is, if you've learned something from it, it's not a failure. You know, it's just yeah. one more experience, one more notch to keep on moving and ascending and moving forward. I said, it's failure when you keep doing the same shit over and over and over again and being hard-headed right. and you don't want to change it up because you're stuck on this. You're stuck on stupid. And <laughs> that's what it comes down to. But yeah. I got to tell you this, Marcus. When someone asks you, should I get a partner? You should tell them, look, if you have to ask, you already know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some you know you know what I find is that when you're when you're a very strong-minded, opinionated, independent person, I think you can you can have you can have partnerships with people on specific projects. Like yes. for example, sincere and I on this podcast, we yes. both have our own respective businesses where we have nothing to do with each other when it comes to either one of our businesses, but we team up on this podcast. And I think I think what's made the podcast work for us is neither one of us micromanage each other. Yes. And, and neither one of us are telling each other what to do. It's like, hey, when's this going to be done? You know, like that kind of condescending crap because it's it's not going to work. You know, for either one, right. it's not going to work for either one of us. We're both going to be pissed off. And and then I think communication's key too. So I mean, when when we come up with ideas, it's it's something we're we're talking about. It. It's not something where I'm sending sincere like, hey, let's do this on the next episode without exactly. getting his input. Right. So I, I think I think it's important to have a, an honest line of communication too. I think a lot of the falling outs we see in our business and. Again, probably any business. It's just lack of communication where someone's irritated with the other person, but they're talking to everyone but that person. Exactly. <laughs> you know? that's the thing. Or they're not talking at all. They're holding all this stuff yeah. in, and it's just yeah. like, that's stupid son of a bitch. What's like, fuck what, that dude. What, well, enlighten him. Why don't you? Okay. You know, but yeah, they're but, talking to their wife, their exactly. friends, like, their you know neighbor, what? the mailman. But then when they talk to that person in question, they're Everything's like, oh, hey, what's cool. going on, buddy? Hey, yeah. yeah. You know? It's all good, bro. It's all good. Yeah, good. That's a great idea. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, that's great. That's that's awesome. Like, wait a minute, man. Yeah. So I, I think knowing, you know, staying in your lane plays a very important part of having a partnership. But at the same time, knowing when to like freaking, you know, just help each other out and get you to the destination a little bit faster. If you got to use that type of, you know, like metaphor or anything like that. So, yeah, man, that's, I, again, it comes down to communication. We, Mike and I understand our personalities. You know, we, we get it. And I think a lot of times people don't truly understand the personality of the partner. They What they're looking at, what they're focused mostly on is this dream of where they want the company to go and what it to be. Exactly. They're just so focused on the dream that they're not focusing on the fact that before you dream, you got to go to sleep. And so when you go to sleep, it has to be comfortable to have a good dream. So you got to look at all this, the equipment involved and time and all that stuff. So that's the thing about it, man. So they're too focused on this thing that hasn't even happened yet. We're going to do this, work together. It's going to be this big, grand company. We're going to do infomercials. We're going to do this, this, this. And then somebody's going to buy us out, and then we can start this, and we'll repeat it. Like, you know what? Yeah, that is so 2000 and late, man. Come on, that's 2000. Like, that, we're going to be racing over. Ferraris uh, in, <laughs> in Dubai. In Dubai. If I get you bought out, you haven't, even, you haven't even been in business for more than three months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. Now, after you guys went your separate ways, man, like at that point, did you already have an idea where you were going to go next or yeah. were you kind of just like, oh, crap. OK, what do I no. you know what I go from here? To, to be honest, I was pretty excited about it because I knew kind of some of the things that I had wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I know the same thing that he'd wanted to do. So it was like I thought it was going to be a good split for both of us because then he would be able to focus on his thing. I'd be able to focus on my thing. And so that's where it was. I was actually very excited. I was really excited with the opportunity and the challenge that, had, you know, come up. So I knew it was start to work on the gym more, which I hadn't done anything of. And I had always wanted to do this kind of subscriber type site that was going to have more information. It wasn't just going to have free stuff. I was going to have, obviously, all the free stuff on YouTube and a free section on the site. But I always wanted to do that with um, my methods. So going forward, that's when I started Embody Pro, which was to take all the stuff that I'm doing and kind of dilute it down into the very, very, like, the very useful, the most concentrated stuff. And um, that was what I was really excited about. I was really excited about this project. And so, you know, things have changed since then and I've done different things with it. And, 
But uh, I was, like I said, I was just super pumped about uh, the new challenges coming up. Now, how do you balance that out? Yeah, yeah, you've given you've all the free content, content on, YouTube. on YouTube. Okay, what is up with me? Being, I know I'm a Gemini, but I hear another version of me talking here. <laughs> <laughs> got your twin over there? What's yeah, I know, on? exactly. It's my, my bad twin. <laughs> He's got the big menacing Sith voice over there. <laughs> but yeah, how do you balance the two out? Because that's the thing about it. That's kind of like the trap a lot of people get into when they get free content. Trust me, Mike's gotten in my ass about this, too. Like, man, you know, you got great traffic to your website. And people stand there all day long, but they're not buying anything. Because you, you need to put some products up there, man, so they can buy while they're there. You know, so how do you balance that out when you've given so much free content and you've got this following mainly because of all the things you've given away? And then when it's time to actually say, hey, all right, enough of the free stuff. Come buy something, even though it's not going to break your pocket, you know, just here. So we can keep so we can keep rolling out all this content out there. How do you make how do you work with that and not have to worry about losing a lot of people in the process? So what I try to do is I always try to make a bulk of information and then just take off pieces and put that out for free. So rather than trying to do like, oh, every day put up something new. I have this, you know, this new training plan, this new, you know, set of series of instructionals, whatever it is. And then I just take pieces of it, snippets of it. And then that's what I share. So rather than just, you know, oh, this workout's really cool and then this exercise is really cool and then this is really cool, which I think the, that can get to the problem with uh, – especially with like Instagram where you yeah. can just constantly coming out with new stuff all the time. Right. And then people give a shit about what you're actually selling. Right. Um, you know, that's why I really focus on that. And then, I mean, like Mike's been getting on you, it's getting more products out, Go, more information that is going to help people, more valuable stuff so that YouTube is enough that they can get the, you know, the use they can get out of that. But they always want a little bit more. So, right. like one of the things I do on um, Pro is I have like these twenty-minute, thirty-minute uh, follow-along workouts. So I started putting these five-minute workouts together, and I started putting those on Pro. On, I'm sorry, on YouTube, and that became very popular. I started getting messages all over the place from people who were like, "I love it. Keep these five-minute things coming." So that was cool, and that really got people even more interested on the site. And then that allowed me to kind of keep working and keep doing different things. So it wasn't like I had to constantly come out with stuff to give them for free. It was like, okay, you chew on that for a little bit. Let me work on this. I'll give you something else to chew on in a little bit. Now, do you think that the whittling things down to like the five-minute videos, do you think that become a little bit more effective now also on the pro site as well? Because, you know, we got to admit, most people just trying to get them just to sit in one place and get something down or whatever, man. It's just so hard because we're in this microwave society where everybody's like, just give it to me now and let me get going. Just tell me what to do and I'll just go do it, even though they'll probably go do it wrong. And then come back to you like, okay, I messed up. Well, okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you do you ever find that sometimes that maybe just focusing more on the shorter content works out a lot better than the full length content? Oh, totally. I mean, the short length content is just enough, like I said, to whet their appetite but I mean, that's not the way I, tra- I don't train in five minute increments. I mean, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't train in 30 day programs. I mean, that's just to get people interested enough. That starts the feel that that ignites the fire. Mm-hmm. Like the way I see these transformation programs that put out the way I see these little things is, is just to ignite the fire to keep them going. This isn't the end all be all. There's plenty of other programs and I'll keep coming out with different things. But that's going to get the like you said, that microwave society, that's going to get them to at least look at it. So of the 100 people that look at that, there might be two or three that are going to be like, this is shit is awesome. I'm going to keep doing this. And then they're going to keep following this up. And then they're going to find, Oh, I want to find friends with this guy. So that's where, you know, you're, you're definitely, uh, you know, you're going to lose a lot of the people in the long run, but, uh, at least you get those few that are going to be interested. You'll keep them forever. Oh, definitely. You get the quality over quantity situation. And I know people listening, you know, especially people trying to start their own stuff. They're like, well, if I had 100 and then I only got down to three, that's bad. No, actually, take it from the, take it from the three of us. That's a good thing. Because nine <laughs> times out of ten, usually those three people end up becoming customers and clients for life. You know, no matter pretty much, they've already bought into you. They believe in you. And they're going to pretty much, hey, man, what do you got coming out next? I've done this. I've had these results. And I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And then next thing you know, these people, you got to look at not just what they spent that one time. So let's just say, yeah, you, you had a program. Let's say they had the membership. The membership, let's say, is like $9.99 a month. But this person's been with you for like five, six years. Okay, oh, yeah. so now you're looking at you're looking at about $600 that you've got from this person, in, you know, in a total of like five years now. You know, just from that and just because – and. They're actually participating in the forums and all these other things. But compared to that one person that bought your DVD and you haven't heard from them since, they spent $39 on a DVD. And that was it. Nothing else. (laughs) You know, that's the the issue when you have just a product that is just this one-time thing. 
compared yeah. to something that goes over a, a, a amount of time, something recurring. But the thing about recurring, don't do it for the sake of recurring like a lot of these fitness markers want you to do, coming up with yeah. all this math, you know, just coming up with bullshit to keep stringing people along or just give them enough information where they have to wait till the next month for the drip mm-hmm. content, drip content. You know, I'm like, <laughs> nah, man, drip coffee, don't drip content, man. With so much free stuff, already on the internet if if you don't create something really high quality you're gonna lose people because they're gonna think what am i paying this guy for i can just get this on youtube i can get the equivalent of this if not better through a free medium so if you the the marketplace is really fair in the sense that you know the cream will will rise to the top so if you provide really high quality stuff like i would say you want to create a very effective brand offer really high quality products and services and it's it's not enough anymore to have a great product you have to have incredible customer service with that because you have have a great product but your customer service is horrible people are going to look for another option but if you have a great product and you have excellent customer service People aren't even going to look at other options. Exactly. They're going to be happy right there. I know like when I found a, a great carpet cleaning company, this environmentally friendly one, they may be more expensive than some of the other ones, but their customer service is awesome. When they say they're going to be there, they don't give you this whole, I'll be there between one and four <laughs> you know, on Friday. They're like, I'll be there at 11 a.m. on Friday. They're there at 11 a.m. on Friday on the button. They make a mistake. They, they compensate you for it. I remember one time they had to cancel the night before and they said, look, we're going to give it to you for free next week whenever it's convenient for you that's how you run a business and what they're doing also in addition to doing a great job they're cool people great service you don't even want to look at other options i'm not even going to waste my time looking at other options because i already found the best option so it's 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 a fair marketplace in the sense that if you provide a really high quality service and great customer service in addition to that you're going to be competitive you don't have anything to worry about now marcus i'm curious because you work with a lot of mainstream people people that have just goals such as you want to be fit lose weight etc why do you think there's such a disconnect between all of the information that is out there on how to be fit and healthy and the fact that obesity levels are rising in the developed world why do you think there's such a disconnect I think just people, for the most part, need to be told exactly what to do by one person. Mm-hmm. And the problem is they have so many people talking to them because they don't really listen to one person. Right. So it's like if they're listening to their doctor, that's like the – I mean not all doctors. I don't want to bash doctors. But that's like the worst person to listen to <laughs> on your fitness. And so they're looking in the wrong places to for their, for their fitness um, information. Right. So I think that because, I mean, there's the, the obvious that there's so much out there. There's so many differing. I mean, you'll we see that all the time when you look at studies that contradict each other within the same. I mean, happens all the time. Yeah. So now if you're looking at something online, it's saying eat something before you work out. And then you're looking at something else that says don't eat something before you work out. And then you're looking at something else. That's, I mean, so there's so much information out there that people need one spot. That's why I always tell someone, like, look at who you want to look like, who look at what you want to do. And find out everything they're doing. Don't keep looking in 20 different places. Find out one person. Like I'll say when I first started, I had about two to three people that I looked up to that I said, okay, I like what they're doing. I want to follow everything they're doing. I'm going to find out what they're getting their stuff from and then I'll just branch out from that. And that was valuable to me because then it kept me laser focused on a specific goal rather than just having this like general, oh yeah, I just want to do this and I'll try this guy and I'll try this program and I'll try this. And so that's, I think, you know, finding almost like a, a mentor. And that's the thing mm-hmm. you see all the time in self-development. You know, right. Yes. Yeah. Why not in fitness? Nobody thinks to have a fitness mentor. You know, so in some ways, that's your personal trainer, that's your coach. But having a fitness mentor that might not even be, and I actually don't even like to be a trainer, fitness mentor, because I tell people, I encourage people to look at other things based off of what I say. So that's why I think that's, you know, having a fitness mentor would be probably my biggest uh, piece of advice for that. No, that's good advice. I mean, Robert Greene talks about that in Mastery, the importance of having a mentor and just soaking up as much information and then going on with your own style at some point. So that that makes a lot of sense. Now, what do you think about I, I like the idea of when I when I when I start a program, let's say like right now I'm doing Ed Cohen, Mark Philippi deadlift program. When I start a program like that, I don't even look at other options anymore because I find that's a big distraction. And oh. I think that's another mistake people make is let's say they start Jim Wendler's five three one, and two or three weeks into it, it's going great, <laughs> and then they start researching other options and right. going, huh, 
that option looks cool. Let me let me try combining both of these programs. You <laughs> so, know? so basically, it comes down to just three one. They didn't even get to the five. <laughs> <laughs> now they're doing five three one on Monday. They're doing five times five on Wednesday. They're Russian, doing high the, volume training the on Friday. Volume training. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then and then they're not getting any results on any of them. And then they're wondering what happened. <laughs> I think I think a lot of times when you pick a program, the research is over. Yeah. Just do yeah, that program. Exactly. Don't even. And then the problem is, even when it's going well. People always think, well, I, I'm sure I can make it better if I did this. It's like, no, 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 no. Just leave it alone for a while, okay? You can tinker later, but just leave it alone for a minute. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm guilty of that myself, honestly, man, where sometimes as, as strength coaches, we have so much knowledge in our head. It's a curse. It's a yeah, curse. sometimes no, we you, know you start so someone else's program and you're thinking, well, I, I can make this better. And you may, you may be able to, but give it an honest, you know, follow it to the letter initially so at least you know what the pros and cons are. Then fiddle around later. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, if we're, if you're in the fitness industry, you are guilty of that. There's not one person alive who's gone through right, like, right. oh shit, that was that was perfect. So I mean, that's one of the one of the negatives of it. But at the same time, it does lead you to some innovative stuff. So, I mean, sure. because of the stuff like if you were following a program, you're following you know one of Pavel's ladder programs, and you started incorporating a couple of things that opened up doors, that opened up some different ideas that allowed you to do even more, and that kind of brought you to where you are now. So. 99% of me says stick to the program, and then that 1% of me is like, but keep you know, keep a little bit out there so that you can diversify a little bit. Yeah, I mean, then ultimately you have to personalize stuff yeah. to need. So, so, I mean, so some tinkering is actually useful. I think it's more on the side of, let's say, someone who is not a fitness professional. Yeah. They're just an everyday person who doesn't have all the time in the world to train. Find a good program, follow it. Don't worry about doing more and more research or tinkering and so forth because those are some of the most common questions I get where someone will say, hey, I'm following this program and I've thought about adding all these other components to it. <laughs> like, uh, that's not going to yeah, work. Much, yeah, no fitness hacking, okay? Don't be so open source about everything right there. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, man. Definitely. When someone, when someone asks me, like, well, what, what should I do this? I, I was thinking about adding this. I just say, always keep one word in mind and just simplify. Always simplify because that's going to get you further because it's not going to burn you out. If you try to do five, three, one on one day and German volume training the next day and then calisthenics the third day, I mean, that's going to burn you out both physically and mentally. Right. So simplify as much as possible. There's a reason these plans were put together because they work, because they worked for that author, they worked for that instructor. And then just try that. And then you can kind of play around with it later. Yeah, right. and, and it works in business as well. So if you have a totally. business mentor and you're you're buying into a coaching program, let's say they're talking about how to effectively use Facebook ads to build your business. Well, if you picked one person and you believe in that person, you got their coaching program, don't start looking at two other people who also have coaching programs and they're well known for that too. It's like, look, you made your choice. See, work that program out. If it's like six weeks or whatever, work it out for those six weeks before you spend some more money on someone else's program. Now you're buying three different programs talking about yep. the same thing. And guess what? All the, They're talking about the same thing. They're just rewording it and using their own language. And then you'll realize yep. I just spent about $3,000 on some information that, A, I could have gotten for free if I just really sat down and looked online for it because people constantly throw it out there. But you believed in that person that you bought into. But believe in them enough to, like, first of all, be faithful. Quit cheating. <laughs> Quit sleeping around with all the other fitness markets talking about the same thing. Just because it's got boobs and a butt doesn't mean you got to be with every woman that you see that walks by, man. Pick one. <laughs> because otherwise you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, yeah. And you're going to get nowhere before it's all over with, man. That's what's going to happen with your business. You're going to be like, well, damn. And then guess what? They usually end up being those people when you ask them about, hey, man, so what do you think about 531? Oh, that shit doesn't work. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. because they were doing three other programs at the same time. Well, of course it didn't work. So they don't give you the entire story. <laughs> or they weren't following it the way it should be. Exactly. In other words, in other words, he recommends for every three weeks of intense work, you do a yep. back off week. And I noticed most people ignore that back off week. Nobody likes week to do four. That. Nobody. Yeah, wants because to do you're that. doing so well. Week three, I mean, you're like, man, I just hit a PR. Let's start this over again. I'll hit another PR in three weeks. It's like take that back off week, man. It can o it's only going to benefit you. And that's that's one of the hardest things to get across to people who mm -hmm. love working out is yeah. the importance of restoration and back off training because they just look at training as something linear. You know, nothing in life is just linear. It's not stock market goes up and down. Your training is going to be the same way. Now, you can you can avoid a lot of these setbacks by applying some level of periodization to your training. Right. So if you have a three-week ramp up, 
the most simplest way to incorporate periodization is a three-week ramp up and then just dial it back for one week and then another three-week ramp up. But the problem with people is – and I've, I've experienced this myself – is when, when, when you're just killing it during that three-week three ramp up, week three, the last thing you want to do is pull it back week four because it's so counterintuitive. But you'll come in week five even stronger if you do, right. and that's the point that is often very difficult to get across to people. Absolutely. Yeah, they think backing off means that they're slacking off. Like, you <laughs> right. know, anything like you tell somebody to take a week off and you know recover, like I'll lose my gains. What I'll start losing muscle because they bought into all the the bodybuilder and supplement industry <laughs> bullshit. He's like, hey, if you're not, hey man, if you take a week off, you're gonna start atrophying. And <laughs> like, really? What the hell kind of disease do you have that your body starts deteriorating just that quickly? I mean, they're all looking in the mirror. I'm, I'm looking smaller, man. Hey man, my pecs, are, my pecs are going away. <laughs> Shrinking. <laughs> 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 so it's bullshit yeah, people. Instagram doesn't help with that. All this you know, gains, bro, and all that. Oh bullshit. my god! And memes, the Monday memes, as I call them. Every Monday, everybody's oh. got all their motivational memes and all this <laughs> stuff because everybody effed up on the weekend, and now all of a sudden they need some motivation. But they get these fitness models all with this, like you know, sure. to my go hard, go strong, blah 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 blah. But then you, I'm just like, look at that chick. You don't know the story behind that yeah, photo yeah. shoot. We don't know what she went there, and I'm guaranteed she probably didn't shoot that. That picture on Monday. She probably did that photo shoot like on a Friday so she could pick out on Saturday <laughs> after she sat there and did a water fast to get ready for that photo shoot. And when you tell someone that, they just look at you like like you just, just spoke like against the Bible or something. Like, what did you just say? <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. You're saying that people in the fitness industry that take these photos, they're not healthy? Well, God forbid. <laughs> like, well, look at your doctor. Here's a guy that works in the health industry. How healthy is that guy with the pot belly? You know, and the cigarette breath, trying to tell you that you need to start a diet and exercise program. Okay, so come on, man. Well, I mean, it's similar to this. I mean, what's what is a healthy look for you that you that you maintain year round, right? That's you being healthy. Yeah. Now, getting into this extreme look for a photo shoot or something like that, Think something that it. you can't maintain. That's not healthy. So it's really yeah. simple. And I think the problem is, is that some people are going to feel best, let's say around men, around 12% body fat. Mm-hmm. Now, in today's standards, in the fitness industry, 12%, they'll be like, oh, oh he's you're a fat ass. ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know? you know? But because and that's usually someone who's naturally at 6% year round saying that. It's like, well, look, you're you're a much different body type than me. So, I mean, you're 6% and you're, you're hitting Dunkin' Donuts three times a week and so forth. So obviously you have – a genetic predisposition to be that lean because you don't have to work super hard. Now, someone who's naturally going to feel their best at, let's say, 12% body fat, they can get to six, but they're, they're going to feel like crap and it's yes. going to be difficult to sustain, which clearly means that's not a healthy body fat percentage for you to be at exactly. all the year round. No, totally. And I think that, you know, like I said, with all this, all these memes and videos and all that, you see these people who we don't know what kind of lighting they're using. We don't know what kind of <laughs> right, right, supplementation exactly. they're using. And we're seeing that and it's like, oh, well, shit, I want to be like that all the time. And, you know, we're all guilty of that. There's obviously vanity and fitness and we want to look our best and we want to feel comfortable in our skin. But I think that, like you say, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if it takes you extreme effort and you feel miserable getting to that body fat, do not stay at that body. That's not where your body was meant to be. Hey, man, ask right. a fighter when he's getting ready for a fight and he's got to lose weight. Ask him how miserable he is during that training camp leading up into, to weigh-in day. And then, God forbid, if he doesn't make weight that first time and he has, like, okay, you got an hour to go cut that one pound. Oh, it sounds easy when they say, like, you got an hour to go cut that pound and a half. Everybody's thinking, well, shit, he can just go take a dump. He'll be okay. <laughs> but, you know, what the thing is, when you've been cutting this weight for weeks upon a time, it gets to the point where your body's like, dude, that's enough. We're done. And then if you throw in something like an illness or an injury, it won't be as easy to cut that one pound or a pound and a half in an hour. Like just because he's running stairs and he's sweating or whatever. In fact, he may end up gaining more weight just because the body's thinking like, oh, shit, we're in trouble again. You know, we got some got all this other work going on and and we need to like kind of increase some fat here and protect ourselves or start retaining water or something. So the one thing about it, our bodies are way smarter than we are. We think we're smart, but we're not. <laughs> we're not. No, but that, that whole weight kidding, cutting thing is an interesting mm-hmm. discussion in, in and of itself because when someone is, let's say a UFC fighter walks around at 220 right. and then he's cutting <laughs> down to 185 right. for a fight, I go, that's nuts, man. Yeah, like he's Anderson Silva, he normally walks around. Pounds? Yeah, exactly. And just yeah. boom. And he hits 185. He's never missed weight. And this dude no. walks around at like 220, 225. You know, it's just like, damn, dude. Or like a John Jones. You know, he walks around like about 235 or whatever. And then he just yeah. cuts down to 205 and never misses weight. I'm like, that 
sounds very miserable. Okay. Yeah. But yes, yeah. their job and all, but damn, that sucks. <laughs> Jeez, man. But I don't know. I don't know, Marcus. I know you've worked with, you started to work with a lot of fighters and you had a couple of fighters you work with now that are in the UFC. What is like the training process when you're working with these guys, especially during the time where they're getting ready for their training camps and they're getting ready for their fights and they need to cut weight? How does that come into play when you're working with them? Because there are a lot of folks, they see this, they see these, you know, the UFC primetime and all this. So a lot of trainers like, yeah, I want to do that. So they can get their face, of course, getting back to vanity, so they can be seen on, <laughs> so you they know, can be in the episode. Exactly. So, you <laughs> no, know. no one's going to remember them. Exactly. That's like, <laughs> except them. They'll be showing it to all their friends. Exactly. I mean, how many times have you watched the UFC primetime where you're like, oh, yeah, that, that one trainer? That, name so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, conditioning coach, please just I'm going to go Google now. him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. It's like, okay, I know Greg Jackson, you know, but yeah, those, he's training the fighters, but who's the strength and conditioning coach for them? I don't know. <laughs> so you don't remember that guy. So, but yeah, but those guys out there, there's still some that aspire to do that, man. Like, how do you work with fighters, man, and still, again, maintain the integrity of, like, keep staying focused on what those fighters really need to get ready for that fight and not necessarily focus on you as a coach. Like, hey, man, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I want people to remember me. So how do you kind of step out of the way? I'll tell you, the biggest challenge that I've had working with fighters, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of challenges. So anyone who thinks, like, I'm going to train fighters and life's going to be perfect, talk to anyone who's trained fighters. And you will definitely know that's not true. But the biggest challenge I've had is just the differing opinions of coaches, of their coaches, who think they know what strength and conditioning is. So it's like, I'm not going to tell my fighter how to kick better, punch better, any of that. That's not my expertise. My expertise is getting stronger and better endurance. So the same way, don't tell me he should be running around chasing chickens and you know chasing miles. I mean, that's they, they have this old school mentality of like, oh, they got to put in the miles. I'm like, no, there's better ways to do things. So right, for my right. fighters, I really – I try to give them the maximum they need but in the minimal amount of time. So I don't train my fighters more than two to three times a week. That's all they need if they're doing the right training. I don't train them for an hour and a half. I train them for 30, 45 minutes. But again, we're focusing on specific things. We're focused on things that are going to make them better, more explosive, stronger athletes. So I think that's the biggest thing. And a lot of times people get in with fighters and they immediately think – I got to kill this motherfucker if I want to have him come back to me. I'm going to do an hour and a half of training and I'm going to throw medicine balls at him and weights at him and this at him. It's like, no, they're already doing that stuff for four or five hours a day or more. They only need stuff. This is to supplement their training, not to take in place of their training. Right. 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 I think it's difficult for both trainers and trainees to understand the benefits of that essential component or that or that minimalist approach. So in other words, if you can get 80% of the results you need with just 20%, picking, picking the exercise. I mean, in, in the sales world, you know, 20% of your people are going to give you 80% of the results. Right. And this, it's similar in training where basically 20% of the exercises you do are, are going to give you 80% of the results. So when in doubt, cut stuff out. I think the mistake <laughs> right. a lot of people make is when in doubt, add more components, add more <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. complexity. <laughs> when they add, sometimes I go through a phase where – you you have limited time to train and maybe your sleep's a little bit off. You still want to work out, but now you're going, I only have so much energy to put into this. So let me focus on the exercises that are going to give me the most bang for the buck. And it may come down to deadlifts, overhead press, pull up, and that might be it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It may even get to the point where you just do deadlifts because you only have time to do one thing. Let's pick something that's going to be <laughs> systemic benefits. But that's that's a difficult concept to get across to people is the fact that complexity is not always a good thing and you want to cut down on that to well, get the you, best even, results. Even worse than the whole microwave society is that the more is more society. Right. I know, it's like, it's like they want more for less. Everybody's like the, the greedy and the, everybody's greedy and cheap. At the same time, it's like give me everything, but I don't. I don't want to give you much for less. Exactly. I'm going to give you a little, but you need to give me a lot in return. Like what? What kind of hell? What? What is that? What kind of math is that? So yeah, man. So uh, uh, let's take us through just like a typical like training program that you would put a fighter through and leading up to his camp, because I, you know there's also that mystery as well. Because again, we see so much variety of stuff that we see as these fighters are preparing for a big fight, and we're saying like, okay, why is he? Flipping that 600-pound tire. Is he getting ready to fight a 600-pound dude and he's going to flip him from the – he's going to grab him by his ankles and turn him over? <laughs> you know, like it doesn't make any sense. You know, honestly, you know, when I look at my program and I look at what I'm training a fighter for, it's just – like I said, it's to help what's going to make them better fighters. Better grip strength, better explosive, better explosive hips. 
So we focus on, you know, the very typical focus on the strength driven exercise at first and then just keep building on that. So we do a lot of kettlebells. I really don't have them do too much with the barbell because they're not going to be deadlifting 500 pounds when they're in the cage. They're going to be picking someone up. They're going to be exploding off of them. They're going to be, there's a lot more dynamic stuff to them. So I really keep it very, very minimal. So we're focusing on there's a few heavy explosive things in the beginning of the workout. And then we start incorporating some more, you know, in the sense of circuits just to keep that endurance up. But every circuit has a purpose. There isn't just, oh, let's just flip tires. I, I hate flipping tires. I think it's, I mean, it's fine for most people. And if you want to do it, that's totally cool. But as regards to bettering an athlete, it's not really that necessary. And that's just, there's a lot of exercises like that that, in my opinion, I don't feel are necessary. So, like I said, I strip it down to the very minimum the very few things that are going to help them. And then we just build on that. So my biggest thing and the, the biggest thing that I uh, push on them is their grip strength because I want them, cause there's nothing like that feeling. And I know you guys have done some uh, martial arts, but specifically in like grappling jujitsu, when someone grabs you and they have a grip, that's just like, fuck that. That's the most demoralizing thing that can happen. So to me, that's such an important aspect of the game. And people talk about grip strength, but I really, really harp on that with my fighters because I want them to win the fight before they even have to do anything. Right. Yeah. Kim Woods, the strength coach for a former strength coach, I believe, for the Cincinnati Bengals, he was really into grip strength as well. He looked at football as American football as a combat sport as well. And he emphasized that when you have really thick, strong hands and you grab an opponent, you can defeat them psychologically yep. just by the oh, yeah. feel of that. Just like what you, just what you said, basically. Yeah, coming so off he, the line. He really emphasized yeah. that. And his son, is, as a result, is you know, he grew up in this environment of strength and conditioning, and he has incredible grip strength. He's well-known for that. John Woods. Yep. So that thing, I, I, and Andrew Derniat as well, big, yeah. big comp- proponent of grip training as well. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you come off that line in football, man, you get that first bump. You know, you know, you kind of just kind of either work, wake that defensive back up or if defensive back will wake that receiver up like, dude, yeah, just think about catching that ball. And it's going to be more where this came from. You know, the same thing with just alignment coming off the line, man. And you give him that first little push, man. It can really pretty much earn that respect in those few little uh-huh. milliseconds, especially like to a rookie. That doesn't know anybody like, oh, geez, <laughs> you know, so that's the thing, man. But yeah, just like you were saying, um, grip strength plays a big part, even just in, in Muay Thai, man, when you sit there and have like that clinch of death and you, oh. somebody's got their arms like locked on your neck with their hands behind your head and they're controlling where your body goes. I mean, there's something to be said about that. So even guys that are in the kickboxing and Muay Thai, you know, I always tell them that like, you know, just really work on your grip strength because there's nothing about, there's nothing better than having like that death grip with your clinch, with your clinch, man, because you're in control from that point on. I mean, what can they really do? You control their posture, their movement, the direction they go, and all that. And pretty much, you control their face to your knees if you need them to go that way. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. no, a strong grip is a real confidence builder with weight training as well. When you're doing a heavy deadlift and you have a strong grip and you feel you you have a you have that bar secure as you're mm-hmm. pulling it off the ground. That's a real confidence builder. When you feel it's about to fall out of your hands, you know, that's not a confidence builder. <laughs> so anytime you, you grab it. a weight with a strong grip, the weight is always going to feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And we say this all the time, you know, the stronger your grip, the less you have to rely on it. That's the thing about it, man, especially when it comes yeah. to lifting weights and moving yeah. weights around. So yeah, good absolutely. stuff. So, Marcus, where, where can people find out more information about everything you have going on? Well, like we said in the beginning, YouTube is a great source and it is free. So I like to drive people there so that way they can kind of see a glimpse into the, the life of Embody. And then a couple other places, embodypro.com. And that's where we have all of our follow-along programs, instructionals, everything. And, uh, and then embodystrength.com is always a good place because that's where we have all of our uh, class schedules and everything. We do have a facility here in Brea. Okay, awesome. awesome. Cool. Now, no, one question also with the whole fitness marketing thing before we let you go is how do, how do you balance – giving away free information and then selling information. Because I think a fear a lot of trainers have is that if they give away too much, no one's going to buy anything. And they're just (laughs) going to have a a lot of people coming and looking at stuff but not Mm. purchasing a damn thing. Or they sell something, they're going to seem a little – they're sleazy. They're they're so afraid to sell. They don't want (laughs) to sell. They don't want to come off sleazy. They have this issue. You're like, well, you know, I'm not – my thing is I just want to help people. I don't want to sit there and have to charge, you know, charge people for this. And then they have a confusion about 
what do I charge? Even if I do charge, <laughs> you know, yeah. what's what's a fair price? I'm like, well, which which price to keep your lights on this month? Okay. <laughs> so. Well, I'd say a couple a couple things. Number one is to diversify. Have enough different stuff, or have enough things that they're always going to be looking at. You know, if you have one product, if you have one thing, then, then that's it. There's no reason for them to keep with that one thing. I mean, so if you have multiple things, if you're pushing different products, I mean, that's always one good thing. But like I was saying before, it was just having that big chunk of information that you want to put out there and then just take snippets of it. You know, a lot of people, they, they get caught up in just putting everything out there just because they want to keep up and keep up. But then they realize, shit, I just gave all my information away. And I definitely fell victim to that in the beginning because it was just, let's put stuff out there, put stuff out there. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Hold on. We got nothing to sell now. So <laughs> Right, right. One of those things where, and, you know, even going forward, I'm even putting more uh, content together for different products because I know that, you know, the other the other reality is that we have to face as fitness marketers is that people don't put value on free things for the most part. Right. So if we have, let's say I put together an MMA program for fighting and I put this exact same program out on YouTube, if I charge for it, all of a sudden now people, I'm going to get more people contacting me because they bought it, that they got better results from it. Right. So that's why, you know, don't be afraid as a fitness marketer, don't be afraid to sell, don't be afraid to market and put that out there, put that price out there because the same way that you see something free and think, oh shit, that's free, I don't care. The same way somebody else is going to look at your stuff. So that's one thing I always try to tell people and I I'm, I remind myself of that all the time. So Yeah, I think I think the whole thing about free information is that it's a great way to establish value. But it's you, there's not going to be much value if you're not making any money either. So you have to you have to remember this is a business, and we all want to help people. But this is a business, and if it's all just fun and games, then it's a hobby. You know, I have right. I have friends who have said, you know, I don't want to get too many clients because then this is it's not going to be fun anymore. I'm like, that's okay <laughs> as long as you as long as you realize this is a hobby now. Yeah, now, this right. is not a business for you. So if it, you just want it to be fun and games where you have a few clients and you they're your best friends, that's fine. But don't have the illusion that that's somehow going to build into a real business because once this becomes – once you want, once you do this as a professional, it's a business. doesn't mean it's not fun, but yeah. you have to treat it more seriously and you have to realize that it's not going to just be all fun and games out there. There's actual work that's yeah. going to be a part of this. Yeah, and the other alternative to that, if you want to have a few clients, that means you have to charge a premium price. So you have yeah. to charge them where – you know, if you got like five clients, whatever your services you're providing – you're going to have to charge amount, the amount that it would be if you went a cheaper route and had 20 clients. So now you got five premium clients, but they're less of a headache because they really, they really buy into what you're doing. And you're giving them exceptional service. And that also means that if you are charging a premium price to these five clients, you better way over deliver. I mean, go be above and way beyond their expectations, man, especially for what they're paying. So you got to ask yourself that. Are you ready? To, are you prepared to do that? And that's the thing. So and, and I think a lot of times uh, that's another issue that a lot of fitness marketers have when they're trying to evaluate what they do and really put it out there like, OK, do you want to have a bunch of clients and sell yourself cheap just so you can have this, you know, this culmination of of income coming in? Or do you want to work with the people, a few people that you really want to work with, provide them an exceptional service, charge a premium price. Don't be afraid to charge that premium price. Just be prepared to go above and beyond right. what's expected right. for that price. And, and really, that's not a hard thing to do. You know, it's really no. not, people really don't expect too much, except that, OK, if I'm paying you this much and it's, on, it's just us, you know, like a few of us and you're coaching or whatever. Give me the attention that I need, but at the same time, establish the fact that I'm also not going to babysit you just because you're paying me this amount of money. And I think yeah. that's the thing. A lot of fitness markets don't have their own rules set just yet either. They feel like I got to do what I have to do because the market, the market's tight out there. You know, there's a, a million trainers out there. I'm like, yeah, but there's a billion fat people and out of shape people and unhealthy people. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. trust me, somebody still needs you. You're not going to be obsolete, dude. Somebody no, still no needs you. There's no shortage of that. Absolutely. Exactly. And like, you know, Garth Brooks once said that if you focus on quality, the quantity will come. And I right. think that's a good way to, to line things up in your mind is that don't worry about the quantity so much. Focus on the highest quality you can provide, whether it's a nutrition supplement, whether it's a book, an ebook, a workshop. Keep everything around quality and the quantity will take care of itself. You, you can see the guys that put – and girls that put stuff out there for quantity and yeah. you can see yeah. – yeah. 
fortunately, yeah. a lot of times they still do succeed, and not unfortunately because I don't want them to succeed, but it's like they're they're duping people. And so, I mean, you, you really hit it right there is focus on the quality. If you do quality, it will come around. That's not to say if you build it, they will come because that's bullshit as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> but definitely focus on the quality and then market the hell out of it after that. And that's something right. that I can say as my biggest piece of advice. And even though I have done a pretty good job at marketing and always, always trying to improve it's that's every year what I'm learning is here's how I can market better. Not just yes. more, not just more aggressively, but how this is how I can market better. And yes. really just pushing myself on that. So it's that fine balance of quality, good information, and how can I market this to as many people as possible? Right. And I, think that really, I think it's uh, – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was saying, and that really helps when you're also keeping up with what you're doing as far as the market. So if you spent this amount of money on this, that, and the other, and you didn't get a return of, you know, return of investment for it, then you need to make an improvement on that. Move Okay, move to something else. But a lot of times, a lot of fitness marketers and business owners, period, they don't have the necessary – Things. Just like you need a training log to really see where your progress is going with your training, you need to have that also with your business. You need to see exactly like, okay, how much are you spending each month on expenses compared to what you're getting as far as income? You know, just because you made, I don't know, 10 grand this, this month, you know, that's not necessarily all that 10 grand went in your pocket. You got to look, yeah. okay, but you might have like a, you might net maybe $1,500 when you really look at it and break it down. You're like, okay, Whoa, where'd the other 8,500 go? You know? <laughs> and so then you got to really start looking like, okay, what are we overspending on? And then you start asking yourself, is this really necessary? Should I be, should I really be in this mastermind spending this much money with this person at this point? Or have I really learned all the things I need to learn from this and I can just cut it loose, you know, and, or spending on this program or buying this equipment and buying this equipment. And you just start asking yourself, like, why am I subscribing to all this stuff, buying all this stuff when basically whoever it is, my clients or whatever, Look, man, they're really just buying into me. I could probably have them go outside, pick up a brick, and say, our workout today is just going to be with bricks. We're just going to lift bricks, toss bricks, whatever. And, they, you know, there's like, if they believe in you enough and they feel like they're getting something out of it, then the bricks will work. So then why are you going out buying all the latest, greatest equipment each month just so you can stock up your gym? My thing is, some gyms are becoming like most people's homes. Like most, a lot of these gyms are becoming hoarder, hoarderville. You know, it's just like, stop buying new no shit. No space to work out, out anymore. Now. Exactly. It's, it's like, so we inside or outside? Well, hell, look around. Looks like we're training outside Because <laughs> I got like 50 new tractor tires sitting here, but only got three clients. <laughs> like, it's like a tire yard now. It's not even a gym. Come on, man. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. Yeah, simplify and simplify. That goes for business. That goes for life. Just everything. Simplify. You'll, you'll definitely come out less stressed and much higher on top. So I, th- I think with business also, it's important to distinguish revenue from profits yes. because I've been at many fitness business seminars and I've spoken at a few of these events where every speaker would get up there and talk about his or her revenue. And then I remember I got up there and I go, look, what someone's revenue is, is, is inconsequential. It doesn't really matter what their revenue is. What's their profit? You could have, you could have a million dollars in revenue and no profit or a negative <laughs> negative balance. You know, what, what matters is your profit. So when you, want to, when you want to hear about someone's success, I want to hear about their profit. I don't care about what their revenue is. And like what Sincere said is you want to have detailed records of what's going on each month. You want to see what's going out, what's coming in, what, what can be more efficient. And, what's, and then that gives you a reality statement to go, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And that's always empowering as well. Because when you know where you're at, yeah. there's no illusions anymore. And yeah. you can figure out how to get to where you want to go. You're not going to be able to get to where you want to go if you have no idea where you're at. You know? hey, I just get, in, just get in my car and just start driving. Where are we going? I don't know. I'm just keep driving until I run figure out of gas. <laughs> one of the things, too, that stops a lot of people to get, to get into the fitness industry is because they feel so overwhelmed by all this stuff. I mean, we're talking raw, revenue, profit. And most people are like, well, fuck, what, the, what, is, what does that mean? What do I do? How does that even start? It's just find people that do that stuff that you don't have to do it. You know, that, that's the biggest thing is find people who can help you with that stuff. You know, don't think you have to do it all on your own. But keep yeah. your eyes on them too. Don't come on. This, yeah, this is me. Come on. This is me coming from the entertainment industry and watching too many artists get this. So yeah. don't be that person like, well, I just want to go and just I just want to coach and I let my accountant do all the work. No, keep your eyes on him too. You know, don't yeah. don't end up like a Teddy Riley and all those guys did when you see like you know these shows on CNBC or whatever. And these guys are not paying attention because they just trust these people because well they're the experts. You know, this yeah. is the same thing about the fitness industry. That the biggest problem with this industry right now is that just because. Someone calls himself a trainer or a strength and conditioning coach, and they walk around with a polo shirt and some khaki pants at a gym. You think automatically they're the expert, or just because their bodies look a certain way, they must be a fitness expert. You know, that's the thing. You got to really like keep your eyes on these people. At the same time, yeah, it's good to like 
put your trust in them, but at the same time, keep your eyes on them because at the end of the day, it's your it's your money, not their money. That's the thing about it. And you're the one that's working hard for it. So no one's going to care about anything that you do more than you do. And that yeah, same same someone thing goes with your business. Your same thing goes someone with your business. You know, Absolutely. you hire people. They're not going to care about your gym the way you do. So you got to exactly. stay on top of them, man. You can't just trust them that they're going to do it a certain way, the way that you see it. You have to pretty much create a system for them to understand. And it needs to be a system of communication as well. That needs to happen with you and your accountant. It needs to be a system of communication. Like, okay, I need to, I need to see the books on this, 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 and this. A lot of stuff you won't understand, but you know what? Ask him. And guess what? Always have a backup plan, too. I do that even with shopping carts, processing, or whatever, because something might break down. Same thing with an accountant. Have a backup accountant. Somebody to, over, to check his books. <laughs> Make sure, like, hey, man, um, you might want to check this out right here online, whatever. What is this doing here? What is that about? It's just something you probably wouldn't have caught that because you're not an accountant. Okay, and that's the thing about it. So it doesn't hurt to have that second opinion. It's not just something just reg, you know, regulated to the medical industry. You know, it's good to always have that second opinion in pretty much any type of industry that you're working and in, involved in, especially when it comes to what your money's been involved in. Definitely. And yeah, you never want to take your eye off of this. I mean, you definitely want someone to be able to help you with that. Don't think you're on your own with it. Yep. Yeah. It's, I mean, it makes sense to know a certain amount of stuff too. So for mm-hmm. example, if even if you don't want to take the reins on fitness marketing, you want to have an idea of how it should unravel and what's effective so that if you delegate it out to someone, you're not going to, you're not going to be hoodwinked. You're not going to have <laughs> right. someone do some stuff you don't want to have happen and go, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't want that to go down that way. So you want to have an idea of what's effective. I, I think, for, for personally, I think it's too important to delegate out, especially yeah. initially in your business. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're someone just getting started and you don't have a budget, which is pretty much all of us the way we started, <laughs> right. that's the last thing you want to delegate out is all that fitness marketing stuff. One, you're not marketable yet. You're just getting started. So right. why would anyone want it? Why would anyone spend it? What, what, what is there to market? You know, so you're not marketable. You're not marketable yet. So it's not worth anyone's time to market you. So you, you need to learn. You need to be your own. It's like it's like a lot of these aspiring actors who've never done a damn thing and they have agents. I go, why do you have an agent? You know, I mean, you're working at the you're working at the Olive Garden every night. So, so and you, you have an agent. So you work at the Sizzler, man. What are you talking about? You have an agent. <laughs> why, do you really think that agent is going to be busting his or her ass to get you no. out there? You haven't you haven't even made yourself marketable. It's like Ice T said on his podcast. He goes, networking is you know what what do you have to offer? It's like this whole thing about who do you know and who do you know is what matters much. It's like, well, what what are you offering? Who you know, you know? <laughs> and if the answer is nothing, then you, you better be your own best agent first. Before you start delegating that stuff out, I think that's another mistake people make too is they delegate stuff too soon. Like, for example, like, I don't want to waste my time building a website. I was like, why? Your time is worthless right now. You might as well go, you know, the money you're going to spend hiring someone to do that, you might as well just keep that and build a basic website yourself. And then as this thing grows, you can start delegating stuff out to other people. And that makes sense. No, totally. I think that's the one thing that a lot of fitness fitness guys and girls have is they don't want to put their hands into the marketing stuff. They want to just hire an SEO guy. They want to hire – I can't tell you how many times I've heard of someone putting money into SEO and a fitness marketer and come out – Definitely behind. I mean, you're that's the SEO, but you don't have any damn content. So guess yeah. what? You just made a, what you just did. You just sponsored that SEO company and just gave them a donation because they have nothing to SEO for your ass. You know. Well, I, I've seen a few people have these fluke events occur, right, where they oh, get yeah. all of this attention for no apparent reason. Like some fluke just happens. Like they put up a picture, which which gives them all this media attention, yeah. and now now they have all these people coming to their websites, oh. but they don't have anything to sell or anything to offer. So it's it's you're you're completely missing the boat, and then this whole media wave moves on. And you know, now what? You missed you've missed the whole boat. So it's like you have to have things in place so that when things do blow up, you can actually capitalize on that rather than you just miss your you miss your opportunity. No, completely. And if you, and like you said in the beginning, nobody's going to care about your business about you as much as you are. So yeah, if you're in your hand. In a vital part of your business, which is marketing and sales, if you're putting that into someone else's hand, which I have absolutely done, you are going to get burned. So that's why you got to put your, you got to keep that in in your sights and in your reins. Yeah, the Ice T says that too. He goes, I mean, you have all these goals. Do you want to be an actor or you want to be this? He's like, look. No one is going to give a fuck about that. You know, like, <laughs> because we've all got stuff we're trying to make happen. So I mean, I'm I'm happy to help out people that I think have great stuff, but I can't build the business for them. And I don't want to do that. But even if I did want to do that, I can't do it for them. 
(laughs) They have to do that stuff for themselves. Just like with training, you know, you can design a great program for a client, (laughs) but he or she actually has to do it. (laughs) You you can't work out for them, you know. If only that were possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, believe me, if you could could hire someone to work out for you, everybody (laughs) would delegate that one out, you know. This is fantastic. It's like every time this guy works out, my body looks better. Oh, somebody, you're just sitting there watching the Kardashians all of a sudden, bloop, bloop, bloop. What is that? Oh, a six pack. Oh, damn. Mike must be busting his ass in the gym for me. Way to go, Mike. It's like, man, my back feels a lot stronger. I guess he did a deadlift workout today. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hey, man. Great having you on the show, Marcus. A lot of, a lot of wealth of information there. And again, people can find out more about you at embodystrength.com. Do you have anything coming up? You've, you've got some certifications, events. What do you have going on? Uh, not really anything right now. We're in the process of uh, some big changes in the gym, so we'll keep you posted online. I can't really talk about it right now. But other than that, uh, just uh, keep it on. It's okay. We don't. We don't want you to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your damn secrets, man. You no, know, whenever someone's like, I can't really talk about. It. It's like we didn't fucking ask you to talk about. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool, man. We'll keep up the great work, buddy, and we'll uh, we'll definitely get you back on again down the road. Awesome. Thanks Take a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Take care, Marcus. Thanks again. Everyone, check out Marcus at embodystrength.com. Check him out on YouTube. Just put his name in on YouTube, and you'll see a lot of really good content come up. And not only for those of you that want some good workout ideas, but for those of you that want to get into the fitness business, study other people that are successful. It doesn't mean that you should copy everything they do, but study people that are making things happen, and then use your own personal touch when you get your own stuff going. Exactly. And it's called mirroring for a reason, you know, and, and pretty much anybody's successful business, they've done it one way or another. But again, you got to put your own spinner. Don't just be a freaking copycat because yeah, guess what? You, when people, some people mirror you too much, you ever, you oh, ever been out, uh, you ever been out to lunch with some sales guy or just a, or just a friend of yours that just read Tony Robbins book and oh. <laughs> they're, they're trying to mirror like you're, you're sitting with your leg positioned a certain way and then they try they to do emulate, it. And then they and, repeat every word you say. It's just like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. So, you know, my wife had a, you know, a great birthday party. Oh man. You're so, how was your wife's birthday party what the huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I keep using your name every other yeah, word oh, right? okay, okay dale carnegie calm okay. down with that okay <laughs> so mike what can we do what's important to you mike well let me tell you what's important so Stop sincere you- i'm like okay so first of all let me what you're saying is you have a short-term memory and you're having a hard time remembering my name that's why you keep repeating it but guess what i'm not gonna forget my name so stop repeating it to me okay i i, I know who i am stop saying that we're the only two people in the room okay stop it so, but yeah, that's that Dale Carnegie 101 right there, man. Just keep repeating it over. Also, it's it's majoring in minor things. Okay? Exactly. You're, you're you're instead of paying attention to the person and communicating effectively, you're you're focusing on the super. Gotta remember the name. Gotta remember the name. Gotta remember the name. Or what's he doing with his hands? I'm gonna emulate that so he feels more comfortable. <laughs> Come on, man. Just be a real person, okay? That's gonna so, help the person feel more. Ball, don't know? don't don't even try to do that around me because then I'm all of a sudden I'm grabbing my crotch then I start tweaking my I start I start I start massaging my nipples and then <laughs> Tony Robbins said this whole thing like you know you're asking a girl on a date it's like hey so what kind of guys do you like and he's all pointing like start pointing to yourself <laughs> you know, come on dude if you have to do that then, then you're not probably the not the guy she's trying I'll, to date I always say the right strategy will work for the right person. And you can say that whether it's business or your personal life or whatever it is, if, if you have to be something you're not to get the point across, then it's not it's not going to work out. Hey man, it goes beyond food. Never underestimate the power of being organic. OK, <laughs> okay, it needs to be organic. All this fake these fake relationships, fake food. None of this stuff is healthy for anything. OK, it just only deteriorates anything that's that's in existence. I don't yeah, care what it just, is. <laughs> authenticity is definitely important. I think that's one of the things people like about our show. And one of the things you guys can do to support our show is to use coupon code LLA to get 10 percent off any of my nutrition supplements, the best testosterone booster out there, the best recovery oil to help you sleep better at night, my Restorezyme to get rid of those aches and pains, get better workout recovery, and then my T-shirts, my videos, my eBooks. You know the deal. 10% off. Use that coupon code LLA. And how about with you, man? Hey, in the interest of mirroring here, you can use that same coupon code LLA and get 10% off of my products at my website over at newwarriortraining.com. You get 10% off of my DVDs, my ebook, as well as my weight management 101 course, as well as my drip coffee stands, the Torillo doors, imported 
created, crafted, handcrafted from Costa Rica. You can get it over there as well. And there are even links over there where you can get a good, some good coffee to go along with your Chorrillo door, man. And um, kind of answering your question at the beginning of the show, it is it's a big difference, man, when you um, talk about the filters and the difference with like the plastic and the, the, the steel, the coffee makers, and especially like just the automatic coffee makers or whatever. It's something to be said about that sock. I always tell everybody the power's in the sock. And <laughs> 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 so I'm pretty sure a lot of guys are like, OK, that's what I'm going to tell my wife tonight. The power's in the sock. <laughs> so, so, yeah, man. But the thing is about that cloth filter, you know, it pretty much retains especially when you use it over and over. And of course you're going to clean this thing. You're going to hand clean it, but it retains those oils over time and more and more. It just makes the the flavor that much more rich, man. It's kind of like, um, when you put like whiskey and bourbon, whatever in barrels and just let it age over time, man, just really starts taking on this Mm. different flavor and making it that much more bold and full. And that's what ends up happening with this coffee. I mean, pretty much one thing about using the bolsitas, which is the, the actual little sock or the condom, as Mike likes to say, <laughs> and my sister-in-law, you know, where you put the coffee grinds, man, <clears throat> you know, one thing about that, man, it really does help retain that flavor. And just really, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to flavor. It can make the shittiest coffee taste good if you, if you get the right amount, the right dose and just the, the right water temperature or whatever. So it's not that complicated as it sounds. But like I said, it can even make crappy coffee taste good. It even makes some ground Starbucks coffee taste decent, much better than what it would if you actually went to Starbucks and got it. And I've actually done that test. I'm like, okay, let's see if it can actually help Starbucks in their beans. You know, so I grind it up, put it in there. I'm like, okay, this is actually a decent cup of coffee, even if it is, <laughs> even if the beans are from Starbucks. And no, this is not an endorsement for Starbucks. This was just me in the lab testing things out because that's what I, that's what we do. <laughs> so in case somebody asks. So yeah, man. It's been a good response for this so far. So, cool. yes, head over to both our websites. Use that coupon code. Get 10% off everything we got. So, yeah. And make sure you share your enthusiasm about the show with someone else. Tell a friend about it. Put it on your Facebook page. Light it up on Twitter. We're getting a lot of really good feedback from people on Twitter, especially. And yeah. that that's very helpful to us because whenever you give us feedback on Twitter, we can retweet that. We can get it out to our lists and get people – share that enthusiasm that you have about the show. Yeah. And then leave us a review at iTunes or Stitcher as well. Those things really help. You know, A lot of you are saying, I don't have a money right now to support either one of you guys guys and fine that's not that's that's not the end of the world but you can support the show in other means by helping us get the message out to more people yep definitely and we appreciate that so and how we show our appreciation we'll keep bringing you great guests and great content see how that works reciprocity love it <laughs> <laughs> so cool folks so um we'll see each and every one of you on the next show thanks for tuning in folks take care take care everyone